0: The Torah portion this week is is Tzav. Tzav is the second Torah portion. So um, it's the second portion in the book of um, Leviticus, chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight. And we're gonna focus today on the first five, six verses. And I'll be explaining that, we'll put it up for us to read in just a moment. Um, this Shabbat coming up this uh tomorrow night and Saturday is called Shabbat Hagadol, known as the which means the the great Shabbat. It's always the Shabbat right before Passover. And traditionally um, the rabbi teaches about Passover on that Shabbat. But so Tzav often gets short shrift, um, and it's also a very detailed parsha that continues what Leviticus started, the Vayikra, the first parsha started, which is a description of um, uh, the sacrifices in the ancient temp in the ancient uh, Mishkan. So, what I want to do today, because I'm thinking each time about the parsha and what it might have to offer us is I wanna focus on a spiritual interpretation of the Parsha that goes back many, many centuries. And we're gonna use a Hasidic text from one of my favorite books, which I haven't taught from in a number of years, uh, called um, The Language of Truth, The Teachings of um, the Torah Commentary the Spot Emmet, the Alter Rebbe of Ger, who was a, um, Hasidic uh, Rebbe in late 19th century and early 20th century. And uh, the book was uh, translated and commentated on by uh, Art Green, my teacher, some of us know Arthur Green. And we're gonna focus on just the first few verses. And so Gwen, if you would put those verses up first uh, from this Parsha, that would be best. And Yudhe spoke to Moses saying, Verse two says, Sav et Aharon ve panav leMor, Command Aaron and his sons thus. Zot Torah This is the ritual of the burnt offering. Uh, Torah. It's interesting. This is the Torah of the burnt offering. Um, now Olah. You probably know what the root, if you know any Hebrew, what the root of Allah is. Like Aliyah, La'alot. So it's the rising up offering. The burnt offering is called in Hebrew the "olah" because all of it ascends to God. But now put your spiritual metaphor caps on. Uh, put your metaphorical spiritual caps on. And... Understand all of this at, uh, um, uh, metaphorically because what you need to understand about the Jewish tradition is that when the ritual sacrifices ceased 2,000 years ago, when the temple was destroyed, they were never reestablished. Instead, they were replaced by prayer and by performance of good deeds and by the study of Torah as the mechanism through which each of us can come near to God, right? The purpose, as I talked last time about the sacrifices, the offerings, the Hebrew word korban means to draw near. And so the purpose of offering these offerings to God was to draw near again to connection with the one that was the ritual and the ancient priests, which in Hebrew is Kohanim, the Kohans, the Kohanim were the ones who mediated that reestablishment of union with God through this ancient ritual of offering up the best of our flock and of our um, uh, harvest, right? So that's what's going on. Uh, in the Roman Catholic Church after the temple was destroyed and Christianity took one path away from ancient Judaism, they retained the priesthood, right? So that Catholic priests still perform the function of mediating between their flock, between the, the congregation and God. That's what the communion is. That's, it's a recreation a reinterpretation of the ancient sacrificial rituals. But Judaism abandoned these. And so in effect, all of us now are Aaron, right? And this is how the Jewish spiritual tradition views it. We are all now the priest. We all are the Cohen. We all are entering into the tent of meeting when we pray, or when we want to be close to God, it's now our job to fulfill these rituals symbolically. Uh, Not if that all makes sense. Uh, good, good, good. So I love this actually. We have to now read these instructions and metaphorically enact them as Aaron and his and, uh, and his sons but it's now our job to bring our offering with prayer so it brings us close, and then we offer it so it can ascend. We can give it away and let it rise up. So that's the rising up offering. Okay, so this is the Torah of it. Torah is an interesting Hebrew word, right? Because Torah means instruction. That's what Torah means, literally, teaching. So this is the instruction, the Torah, of how to let your let your offering rise up to God, ascend, be uplifted. All everything we know about when we think of the metaphor of feeling exulting or exalted or like lifted up, all those metaphors, they're an up metaphor, and we want it to come from our place of pressure, condensedness, depression, and find a way to offer it up. So this is the ritual of the burnt offering of the, this is the instruction, the Torah uh, that Aaron, meaning us, have to do in order to have our, um, uh, uh, in order to have our, our prayers rise up. So it has to remain on the altar Kol halayla Ad all night until the morning, the to kadbo. That which means that the fire is kept going perpetually all through the night under the offering. So that's the first sentence. The sec the, the, the next verse says in the morning. <clears throat> the priest shall dress in linen raiment with linen breeches next to his body and he shall take up the ashes to which the fire has reduced the burnt offering on the altar and place them beside the altar so it's morning the first thing the priest does the Kohen, aaron is cleans the altar gets the old ash out right because it's a new day, it's been burning all night, and it's the new, it's the morning now. So it then says, and he has to put on linen, new linen clothes to do this, because these ashes are considered to be sacred. Um, even, in other words, the left, the leftover from this path, this um, uh, this offering of fire that goes up to God. And then it says, um, he shall then take off his vestments and put on other vestments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a ritually clean place. So the ashes every day are cleaned out and are ceremonially deposited in a special place outside the camp. And now it says uh, the, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning, not to go out. And then it says, uh, and the priest shall feed word, wood to it and lay out the offering on it baboker, baboker. Okay, boker is morning. When Hebrew repeats a word that in this way, it means perpetually. Every morning, every morning, every morning, after moving the ashes, the fire shall not be let go out, but shall be fed with new wood. Barachale haolabik, hashlamim and the offering shall be laid out again. And then the passage concludes with, as is typical of biblical sort of uh, rhetoric, it repeats the theme. Ish tamid tukad al hamizbeach, lo A perpetual fire shall be kept burning on the altar. It must not go out. Okay. Um, let's, um, we're gonna look at the Spot Emmett's teachings about this, but let's unmute everyone, Gwen, so that we can see if there's any questions or comments people have.
1: Well, rather than unmute everybody, uh, let everybody anybody who wants to speak unmute themselves, so we don't have Oh, a lot how many of
0: more people do we have now? We're at uh, 19. 19? Um, okay, if you wanna say something, go ahead, Desiree.
2: I have a question I'm reading along, and at the end of this, it looks, I believe it's a mem, that is set off after the last word there? In kind of a. Oh, blank. yes,
0: that's actually a samach. A
2: samach, okay. What, is, what does that tell me?
0: Um, the samach tells you, and it's, it's, it, the samach tells you that in the Torah scroll itself, you will see a blank space between this and the next passage. That, so picture how the Torah scrolls written by hand. It ha- you notice that it has, usually has pauses and some breaks in it. Right. So traditionally, when you have a printed text, they'll put that letter in to indicate to you how it, what, that there's a space in the Torah scroll after this paragraph. Thank you. Sure, sure. Any other comments or questions, anybody?
2: I have a, a question. Uh, yeah. I imagine that there must be, um, here, I'll start my video again. I imagine that there must be mystical meanings for, because you know, from me listening to it, it just sounds so arbitrary. Is there a mystical understanding available somewhere, somehow of what all of this might mean?
0: Yes, what all of it means is that this is about our inner spiritual process. And in ancient Israel, our inner process of how to be aflame with devotion for God was manifested or enacted through this ritual. Does that make sense? So when the ritual ceased, the inner experience was translated into the act of prayer in Judaism, which has been the way that we have understood this um, uh, this activity uh, ever since. So when I say prayer, I don't, uh, I mean that in the broadest sense. I mean it in the wordless or worded or musical or whatever way you would find that works for you to offer every morning every morning a fresh fire and fuel to rise up to god okay so that is joan the mystical meaning of it does that make sense
2: yeah that makes sense to me totally
0: right so you have to understand that um the the sacrifices were a um a ritual enactment a symbolic enactment of an inner process what human beings do without fail is that in our, in, our, in our, what is the right word, denseness, we continually mistake the symbol, symbolism of ritual for somehow being effective in and of itself. Human beings always make that mistake. And then we start to think, if I just fulfill this ritual, then I'm close to God. And that's magical thinking. Magical thinking is that an external activity is going to transform your insides and your relationship to the cosmos, but the external activity only symbolizes the inner work, and uh, we always get that mixed up. And so people who think that rituals are stupid, for instance, religion's a waste of time, it's because the only experience of religion they've ever had is as some kind of magical external uh, ac- activity that we can witness does not necessarily in any regular way affect the cosmos around us. We're transforming our insights through the practice of ritual. And if the rituals feel empty, then they're not working, right? And we have to find a way to renew our investment and our understanding of what we're doing. So that's that, that becomes the perpetual activity of anyone who is doing spiritual work. And if you think of Jewish rituals, think of the elaborate rituals of every religion around the world. Why do we human beings do this? We seem to be wired to want to externalize our inner um, reality. So that's, that's the way I understand it. It's why I'm in the ritual business. Otherwise, I couldn't do it so any other questions or comments right just wrote
1: a comment in the chat
0: ah good now we're talking about meta- you can you see can everyone see the chat it's almost like we rise from the ashes like the phoenix exactly we have to think metaphorically to understand what what is being attempted here thank you john uh anyone else
1: gail um also I've read that it's understood that God is represented by the fire itself. And we have the eternal fire always at the altar so that we are aware that God is always present with us. We are never to forget that. Mm -hmm. And I've also, at times, one talks about that small flame also being our own small, our own awareness of that. So we're the small flame blending into the larger flame of God's and all the power of life and creation that God has and death.
0: Nicely said. So now there are those, there's that aspect of us that wants to know the correct interpretation. And we will be frustrated because once again, that's our desire for. You know, the key, the secret, the interfering with this kind of thinking, which is that, yes, the flame is God's presence always with us. Yes, it's this, and yes. So you just have to say yes, and, yes, and, because then our imagination comes alive, and then we get animated but this is not the typical instruction manual for how to set up your TV set. Uh, That requires a specific set of instructions, but this is evoking something. We wanna evoke something. So Gail, just for example, evoked, you know, when you think about the synagogue, some of the aspects in a synagogue sanctuary are are intentionally echoes of the ancient uh, temple. And so the eternal light that's in every synagogue, the ner tamid, is supposed to remind us of what? Well, there's not a single answer. If I say to God's presence with us always, good. But to someone else it might speak to the Jewish people's light never going out, right? It doesn't have to be, it, we want these things to speak to us. And to, for them to speak to us, we have to be willing to think poetically, as we've talked about for you know years and years here. But because but we need the reminders. So now I want to look at, with that in mind, how the spot emet teaches about these verses that we just uh, read in the Torah, and we'll read the spot emet, and I will translate some of his metaphors into metaphors that um, I find are more accessible to folks here in 2020 in our Zoom room. So Gwen's gonna share that uh, document. Okay, can you all see it? I hope so. <clears throat> so I took this from the book I showed you at the beginning. And the Sfat is talking about this passage. <speaking in Hebrew> this is the Torah of the burnt offering. A fire must always burn on the altar. It may not go out. And the Sfat teaches. This is the purpose of human worship. Each day, a new light comes down upon those who serve God. As the scripture says, and the priest shall burn wood upon it each morning, each morning. Okay, so you can see that right away, it's, it's implicit for the Spad Emmet that we are all the priest. Right? He's teaching his flock and he says, each day a new light comes down upon those who serve God. Well, the priest serves God, but he means all of us. So I, wanna, I just want to point out to you, this is how the priestly function becomes democratized in Judaism over the course of thousands of years. Um, uh, okay, each morning, each morning, a new light comes down upon those who serve God. So too it is written in the prayer book, in God's goodness, God renews each day perpetually creation's wondrous work. So if you pray in the prayer book every day and you come to that beautiful line and you thank God for renewing creation perpetually out of God's goodness, the wondrous creation, uh, we know that the Spad is showing us that uh, our job is to inhabit that consciousness, When the priest cleans, now we have to, so I'm going to, he'll probably repeat some of the things I'm saying, but it bears repeating. So I'm thinking about me. And I'm thinking about waking up in the morning, depending on the morning, with a head full of, I'm crabby, I'm anxious, I'm certainly frightened, I'm preoccupied how am I going to serve God and joy like that? So a spiritual practice every morning, every morning, would be to figure out how to clean out the ashes from my inner altar, take them outside somewhere and put them, not not throw them away with disgust, I'm interested that they don't get tossed away. They get put in a special place. I think we should put it on the compost pile, right? Like what, where do we take this, this um, leftovers of ourselves, uh, you know, uh, go ahead, put it somewhere good, but get it out of your, get it out of your altar. Then put fresh wood and light it anew. How do we do that? How do we do that every day? And I was thinking especially now. I mean my um my default is I look at the news headlines right away in the morning. Like I'm doing that. The Jewish way traditionally is to daven shacharit, is to open the prayer book and clear out the ashes and start the fire that's kind of smoldered at night, start it burning afresh again, so our prayers can go up to God. But every spiritual practice is asking us to do this, right? Every spiritual practice, whether it's meditation, or uh, a ritual of some kind of altar that we have in our homes, or if it's prayer, um, uh, or if it's or if it's yoga, you know, uh, which is a great way for me to clear my head. Um, that's literally what we're trying to do: is clear our, our heads. Um, and studying Torah, studying Torah, prayer, and acts of loving, loving kindness are the Jewish triad for clearing our heads, getting the cobwebs out, not dwelling in the past or projecting our anxieties into the future. What a huge challenge it is right now. It's almost like any practices that we've done in our lives were to prepare us for moments like this. Oh, um, let's see i'm gonna I found this someone posted on um Facebook this quote from Tennessee Williams just a second. I have to read it too it really got it got to me um, oh. oh. No, no, my masterful filing system is failing. Sorry, I'll share it with you afterwards, okay? All right. Um, So let's read a little bit more. So too it is written in God's goodness, God renews each day. This love comes to us as a gift of divine grace. Something of this light should remain imprinted on the heart throughout day and night so that it may not go out. So now the Emmet makes it very clear that what we're receiving each morning is love. That the wood that we're laying out onto the altar is love. That the smoke that rises up is, is love that love is the key fuel in this effort. And it comes as a gift of divine grace. I'm on the next paragraph. When this is the case, whatever thoughts and doubts that arise upon the heart will be burned up by the inner flame of this imprint. It is the burnt offering upon the altar. As the holy Zohar says, evil thoughts are consumed in this fire. Okay, evil thoughts uh, might make us recoil, but in the Jewish spiritual tradition, what we're talking about, just like in every spiritual tradition, are distracting thoughts. Thoughts that distract us from keeping our flame burning clean and clear our love hearts, our love engines, you know, generating. And so what would those, quote, evil thoughts be? Anybody wanna share? You're always welcome to interrupt. Uh, Desiree, Desiree just wrote, in my family's tradition, the women always maintain home altars and tend them each morning and each night. It is a lovely tradition that makes us focus on prayer twice a day. Yeah, I think that the Jewish insistence on no images, which was a way of distinguishing ourselves for many, you know, it's so essential uh, to the Jewish tradition. Uh, actually, uh, um, altars when they are invested with the intention, uh, serve an incredible purpose. 30 years ago, I went to Bali. Anybody ever been to Bali? Um, It was so amazing. And there in that culture, they spend, they get up early and they make these incredible, beautiful leaves and flower weavings and arrangements and they put them on the altar every morning. The women do that. And then the next morning, they take the old ones off, they throw them to the dogs and the chickens, and they make new ones. It's almost like they're taking the ashes. It's not almost like they are taking the ashes out of the space so they can make a new, put new fresh fire on it. It's, uh, it's beautiful. Um, I grew up a nice, you know, in a good Westchester, basically secular family, even though we were actively religious and all that stuff was just like mumbo jumbo. I didn't understand any of it until I was much older why someone might do that. Um, Okay, so evil thoughts. Often in Jewish mysticism, it seems like evil thoughts are uh, often connected to sexual uh, distraction and fantasy. But I also think that might be the obsession of some of the um, researchers who modern scholars, who knows. But for me, it's pretty clear that evil thoughts are that which will distract us and prevent us from uh, staying connected to our inner fire and manifesting it. And for me, the biggest evil thought right now is anxiety. Right, we're living fearfully right now. I mean, we we don't have to live fearfully, but there's much to cause us to feel afraid. And so I want to consider any evil thought to be that which prevents us or stops us or clogs up our uh, uh, altar place, our fireplace, uh, so that we can't have it be burning clean and hot and rising. So the burnt offering is supposed to burn up our evil, distracting thoughts. The burnt offering upon its altar Means that no evil thought arises until the fire power to consume it is already present. Okay, so says the Ramban in the 13th century. God does not bring any trial upon a person unless he has the power to withstand it. Well, that's an old saying. Uh, uh, you know what how else does it get said? Um, you know, uh, God's not going to give you anything you can't handle, right? I wish that was true. Um, It's not necessarily true. Some people do get crushed with more than they can handle, but it's a good inner mantra to give us the strength to say, I can handle this. So again, don't take a saying like that literally. Take it as an exhortation to know that this doesn't have to break you. um, Because that fire is burning strong enough, it will burn through whatever needs to get burned through so that our heads can be clear again. Our hearts can be open again. We can be dwelling in the glory of the new light of a new day again. Keni ratson Just talking about it. And I must say this format means I do most of the talking. Um, is very helpful to me to get to do that joan wrote gratitude is like a burning fire to turn to, to turn ashes to fear to turn to ashes the fear. nice joan that's that's right so gratitude and love are ways to light the fire in light our inner fire and burn off the accumulated crap that's inc- that might be keeping us from the suppleness of being alive. That's the teaching. It's beautiful, isn't it? I also like that,
2: I, one I second, also, Rabbi.
0: yeah.
1: Effie unmuted themselves. Do you want to say something?
0: Is it
3: okay now? Oh, oh absolutely. Interrupt-
0: no, I'm no, please Effie, I want to be interrupted.
3: Okay, um, just, I think two thoughts, but one to start is on just taking up the notion of gratitude. Um, if one chooses in the morning, I know I, my wife and I say it, there's a short tefillah prayer, Right. Um, we thank God, we express gratitude for letting us wake up, I guess, letting us be here again. And uh, we, in fact, view it as part of the deal we made. If you look at the words that we made with God, this trust uh, that we have with God, that we're going to wake up, and we express gratitude nonetheless. Um, the second thought, very quickly, is that it's probably a Hasidic thought. Also, is that one carries the, the base, um, the the Mishkan, the Tabernacle. Um, I'm sure you've said this, you know, so I'm not telling anybody anything new. They have the opportunity to carry it within them and the recreation of that inner tabernacle on a daily basis connected to this of putting behind the ashes of thought and even action sometimes make for a nice way of looking at it, at least from my... Oh, no,
0: it's beautiful. Thank you, Effie. Let me amplify that. So many of us will remember the phrase back in Parsha Truman in Exodus, make me a mishkan, a dwelling place, that I may dwell uh, uh, in your midst, or betocham, which also means within you. So we know that our inner dwelling place for God, that we are nurturing, this altar, this place where we carefully tend, take take the dross out, take the ashes out every day, lean it out so that an, the fire can keep burning so that the presence can be felt is both understood internally to each person, externally to our community and on every, every level. And the prayer modaani, which many of us know, means I acknowledge and give thanks to you, uh, living ever present spirit of life for restoring my soul to my body this morning. Your faithfulness is unbounded. And that is traditionally, again, don't watch me when I'm waking up because I do not make it on this level. I need to talk, I need you. Uh, I will not be a good example, uh, but I was taught in when I was going to Jewish day school, and this is the way Jews have done it for so long that before we leave our bed, When we come back to consciousness, that's what we're we're required to say. Uh, As a practice of cleaning out the ashes and lighting the fire again that day, what could be more appropriate? Let's see what Leah said. God gives us only what we can handle. I read once that Mother Teresa said, I wish you wouldn't believe in me so much. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> and Ayla said, create joy where you can. It is important to maintain a bright vibration now. We'll be needed in the reconstruction and we are needed now to uplift one another. Yes, that's what this portion is trying to teach us. But we can't do it without being attentive, just as we we're saying, to how we do that. Um, my best ways are prayer, Um studying and talking with people with sacred texts and being outdoors. I have been using every, every break I have and going out, going outside. I'm so grateful to live somewhere where I'm, my movements aren't restricted that way. I just, who? Anne said, that's what I would say when I was taking care of both of my parents at the same time. And someone said that to me, what Leah said, I wish you wouldn't believe in me so much. Yep, and you made it, Anne. Bless, bless everyone for, you know, yeah, I've seen the loads that a lot of us had had to carry, but, yep, we can handle it. Even if we fall apart, we can handle it. We'll pull ourselves back together. Thank you everyone. Rabbi Ellen said, Rabbi Sheffel Gold has an app called Flavors of Gratefulness. Listen to this, everybody. She made up Sheffel Gold, who is one of my oldest friends, is like a um, fountain of music. She can't even stop it. She made 49 different chants for the morning wake up prayer They come up randomly and all are beautiful and available at the app store. Thank you, Ellen. I wanna encourage all of us to, I'm sure you are thinking about how you tend the altar in your self, in the morning and then throughout the day, because you must, remember there's the instruction, you must not let it go out. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. How do you keep tending that little light? Oh, beautiful. Let's read a little more. Um, In fact, the fire must all, in fact, the fire that must always burn is the fear of God. But the wood that he shall burn upon it each morning is love. Okay, so now the Spodemn is playing on the classic binary of our relationship with the infinite. Awe, love, fear, you know, like, oh my God, that, that's a prayer. Oh my God. And you put that you, that's the fire and the love that we also have for life. Um, so I think my own take on this is that we're lying if we don't feel over, overwhelmed and minuscule and infinitesimal and like, oh my God, that is a, re- that's, that's, that's fine to have that but it has to always be, you have to always like temper it, or in this case, fuel it with your experience of being loved and of loving at the same time. The thread of grace that we are taught is drawn forth each day. As it says in the Psalm 42, God commands his grace by day and at night his song is with me. That is the fire that burns upon its altar all the night what a beautiful line of psalms i don't didn't really know that line (sighs) okay let's skip the next paragraph in the interest of time because he's going down a different road there and go to the next one that says the commandment the commandment here to remove the ashes hints that as we burn up the waste in our lives we are uplifted each day and then we are given new light This redemptive process is with us every single day. For the one who serves God in a simple way. Oh, that's so beautiful. This redemptive process is with us every single day, baboker, baboker, every single day. So what's the simplest Jewish way to do this? I'm glad he got to this. This is what's coming next. Daily you accept divine rule or divine reality in reciting the Shema and saying, you shall love. Uh, And then we read, you shall love Adonai your God with all your heart and soul and might. And these words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. What are these words? That is the light made new each day when you remember the Shema and to love. And you shall speak of them when you dwell in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. We receive this light until we lie down and then we're renewed again when we rise again. And that is the fire that burns all night until the morning. So one of the things I liked about this teaching is it's very accessible to us the Svat is saying, okay, what's our tending the fire? It's reciting the Shema. But not just reciting it, but internalizing it. You shall love the source of life, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. When you lie down and when you rise up, which is the original commandment why The Shema is traditionally recited in the morning and in the evening. Keep a fire burning perpetually on the altar. It must not go out. Do not extinguish the light. We have a few minutes. I wanna read Art Green's comments too. Because at the end of each of his, he, he selected these passages from the Sfat Emet's voluminous writing. Art selected the ones he felt were most accessible to a modern audience. And then he would uh, offer some comments afterwards in the italics here. These opening verses of Parshat Tzav are recited in the Sephardic and Hasidic prayer rite each morning as part of the introduction to worship. There, so if you looked in either a Sephardic sidur or a Hasidic Siddur, this passage from Leviticus would be in that Siddur. That's how much it's understood as a symbolic uh, metaphorical account and not a literal one. Um, They have long been interpreted as, as referring to spiritual or inner fire, the undying fire of prayer that is rekindled each morning. Here are the two most basic properties of fire. It's power to warm and to burn are joined to the two wings of prayer, the love and fear of heaven. In a move typical of much older rabbinic sources, the fire of the altar is here identified with Torah rather than with prayer alone. This shows Gare this rabbi, as belonging to that Polish school within Hasidism that valued study and tried to combine the ancient intellectualist traditions of Judaism with the Hasidic fire and enthusiasm for the religious life. Um, Art's a scholar of Hasidism, so you know he's telling us stuff. For us too the study of texts such as these may itself be a religious act no less filled with kavanah or directed intensity than is prayer or meditation. Sacred study as an act of devotion is an aspect of Judaism that continues to live on right here in our own reading of the Hasidic sources." That's Art's comment. So um, let's talk for the last few minutes more personally or write. um, What's what's working for you? Um, How are you clearing out the ashes How are you restoring your inner fire each day? We need to hear each other's uh, uh, thoughts and um, ideas. You can either type them or you can like, uh, you can share if you'd like.
1: Everybody can unmute themselves.
0: Okay, if you wanna say something, just unmute yourself.
1: Um, who knew that tending my wood stove in the fall and the winter and a little bit in these cold days of spring could be um, a practice?
0: Exactly. Oh, it's just like tending your wood stove. I have a wood stove too. It's like you, you have to tend the fire.
1: And you have to take out the ashes in the morning. There's some coals that are still there. So that continues, you don't have to relight everything, you just put in some kindling and let it relight itself. And, and it's a process that keeps happening every morning, practically.
0: So the metaphor is very visible for you of what we need to do for ourselves as well. And Joan wrote, every morning I listen to premrawat.com, a 15 minute address called Lockdown, that is very inspirational. Cool. Thank you, Joan. And going outside for a walk, definitely. So
2: every morning, um, I haven't done the, this ritual, and but it's it's a way, I think, for me to, uh, to engage with it. And now that I have the thought, I have this dog right here who makes me go outside every single morning at sunrise. Mm-hmm. I think, okay. you know, that coupled with thinking about this, will be the answer for me. I mean, you know, I always complain and I don't want to go. Except now if I if I reframe it this way, it's a good and start you, to a You day. have to
0: tend the inner altar. That's I'm sure that's why dog is God spelled backwards. It's uh <laughs> I mean they are they say, come on, light your fire, let's do it. Mm, wonderful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Leah.
2: Thank you, Rabbi.
0: Yeah. Susan, oh, by the way, Susan, (laughs) let me just say that, um, uh, did, uh, um, um, I'm sorry, what, uh, who was in, Nancy, what was your cousin's name? I'm Ellen. (laughs) Ellen, there you are. Ellen's in, um, Tokyo. Susan is in St. John's in the Virgin Islands, um, We're all, we're just all over the place. It's just incredible. Okay. Go ahead, Susan. Uh,
2: Well, um, I'm finding one of the things that's really been wonderful for me at this time is having access to so many different online spiritual teachings, not only yours, but I get every day, I get notices of, you know, Buddhists and Hindu and, you know cause i've been my path in my life has been pretty eclectic, so uh so I have the time you know and the solitude to take advantage of these things, and i find and i don't get the New York Times like I do at home I get the you know new when i'm at home, I get the new york Times i don't have that here, so I have less news, which is kind of a negative and more um positive which has really helped to alleviate anxiety and put me in a much more grateful and positive frame of mind so I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that
0: Thank you let's just take a moment and reflect on what it means that we're that we're able to connect this way around the globe, So it's a very good thing. Thank you, Susan. Anyone else you want to share before we close?
2: Joan and then Ed. I, yeah. Very quickly. And and very quickly. I I found it really really healing and inspirational for me to reach out daily and maybe call one or two people that I care about and just have conversation. And it's very transformational for both sides. Uh, I found it amazing.
0: That is great, simple advice. Thank you, Joan. Every morning, I um, go to a room. There are birds feeding at the bird feeders, lots of birds. I have a cup, of, about a half a cup of coffee. I just sit there, I watch the birds, I drink my coffee, and um, I become refreshed. It's all I really need to become refreshed. Perfect. Perfect.
2: And Gail had something she wanted to share.
0: Oh, good.
1: Yeah, I think I'm doing almost all of these things, um, watching the birds and feeding them every morning, being outside, uh, calling people I care about, meditating a lot, and reading the Torah, because I'm doing Torah meditations. And also, as much as I can, when I'm doing, I've done a lot of sort of straightening up in my house. Doing whatever I'm doing and trying to be fully focused on that, being fully present each moment again and again, um, which eliminates the fear, at least as I'm doing it.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, Thank you. It
1: brings in thankfulness. It just does automatically.
0: Mm-hmm. We know that when we're engaged in a task, there's all the all the fear, which is about uh uh projecting into the future unless it's the fear that we're wired for because the bear is coming our way uh, and we see it, then our adrenaline kicks in. But uh, uh, we will be present for that too, if God forbid it happened. But my point is that the, 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 the manufactured fear that we, that we work with each of us, the anxiety so much of the time, there's no place for it when we're invested, in, engaged in our activity in the moment. We forget about it, it's not there so so may it continue for each of us because these are um the world doesn't gain anything from our anxiety and that's not meant to be harsh or judgmental it's just the truth um where if our love if our love fire is what's burning that's the best thing we can offer to the birds and to our cup of coffee and to anyone we encounter so I'm glad we've had this uh, hour together.